Welcome to Voices from the Cathedral, a podcast that brings you sermons, discussions, and other performances from the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City. On Sunday, August 12th, the Reverend Deacon Stephen Lee preached on the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, Proper 14, Year B. Please be seated. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. When he was 28 years old, the Russian writer Fyodor Dostoevsky was arrested, tried, and then he was convicted of political subversion. His crime was belonging to a club that read books critical of the czar, books that had been banned. And Dostoevsky was sentenced to four years of hard labor in a prison camp about 2,000 miles away from St. Petersburg in Siberia. And the prison, of course, was a miserable existence for him. He was kept in chains all day and only allowed one book to read, the New Testament. But in one way, the experience wasn't as bad as Dostoevsky had feared. The hard labor, he found out, was actually less strenuous than what most peasants back then did every day. And for him, what made the labor hard was that he was forced to do it, unlike the the peasants, but at least the work was still useful. He would do things like make bricks or dig ditches or build walls or other similar kinds of work. And he later theorized that truly hard labor would have been if he were forced to do something totally useless or even absurd, like pouring water from one vessel to another or moving a heap of earth from one place to a different place and then immediately moving it back again. In just a few days, Dostoevsky thought, such a prisoner would hang himself or commit a thousand capital crimes, preferring to die rather than endure such humiliation and torture. But is this idea of doing something useful that important to us? Is it really a matter of life and death? And it certainly seems so if we look at our Old Testament reading this morning. The prophet Elijah is in deep despair because he's come to believe that his work is totally useless. King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, they're not obeying God and neither are most of their subjects. And really, if you look at history, all of Israel's history and most of human history back to the Garden of Eden, people don't seem that good at believing in God, obeying God. And so being a prophet in some ways is really futile work. There's no permanent change that you can expect of people. And so why not, as he says, why not just give up? And you know, this kind of despair, it's not unique to Old Testament prophets. I mean, how many of us have felt 
miserable working in a job that just seems totally useless. That it seemed like we were doing nothing more than moving a bunch of emails from one pile to another pile and then back again. And so we imagine, we think, we believe, we hope that if we had the reverse, a really fulfilling job, everything would be okay. And so isn't it obvious that Dostoevsky was right about the importance of useful work to our sanity? But you know, the strange thing about Elijah's despair is that right before he runs the desert to the wilderness, and right before he says, God, please kill me now, Elijah has won a great victory. He has won a great victory at Mount Carmel over the prophets of the pagan god Baal. There is a contest that happens, and each side, Baal's prophets and Elijah, they put a bull on an altar, and then they call upon their gods to light it on fire. And going first, the prophets of Baal, hundreds of them, call upon their God to light their sacrifice on fire. And they do this for hours and hours, and there's no result. And finally, Elijah responds. It's very funny. He's very sarcastic. He says, cry louder. Maybe your God is meditating, or he has wandered away. Or maybe he's on a journey, or I know, he's fallen asleep, and he needs to be woken up. I think you should speak louder. And then it is Elijah's turn, and he has the people soak his altar with many gallons of water. And then he prays to God and immediately the entire altar and everything around it, the wood, the stone, the bull, even the dust is immediately consumed by fire. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. So there's no reason for Elijah to despair. His work is making a profound difference in people's lives. He's bringing people to God, and yet he despairs. And you know, I know a little how he feels. My first job out of college, I worked as an equity derivatives trader for a Swiss bank. And that job was manifestly useless, I can say. I was buying and selling an abstraction, a derivatives contract, that was built upon an abstraction, a stock price. And I was pretty miserable. But when I quit that job to then do something more noble, I thought, teaching uh, poor immigrant children out in Queens, which seems pretty meaningful, oddly, I still felt, I still felt useless. I was a little like Elijah. I was doing good work making a difference in people's lives, and yet still I was lost in the wilderness of despair. Because from a certain perspective, you know, everything we do, no matter how noble or altruistic, seems useless. And when we are lost in that wilderness, changing our jobs to do something more meaningful won't help. For the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ is not, you are unhappy because you are in a useless job. Get your act together and find a more meaningful job and all will be better. That is not the gospel message. The gospel message is that nothing we choose to do will give us the meaning that we need. And in fact, everything we do is ultimately useless for we are all destined to die. And therefore our only hope is to give up ourselves to a God 
who has shown through Jesus Christ that there is new life. There is new life on the other side of death. And that is what we are doing at the Eucharist every time we come up to receive the bread of life. We are saying we are dead already. We are dead already. So let us cling to the God who raises the dead. That is our only hope. Some of you know that um, when I was in seminary, I did my field work in prison. I was up at Fishkill Correctional Facility in Beacon and at Sing Sing in Ossining. I taught classes in the New Testament and Christian theology to prisoners. And the program I worked for had an academic schedule, so we had a long break between our fall and spring semesters. And one year at Sing Sing, I remember, it was the middle of January, and it was the first class of our spring term. And I hadn't seen the guys in many weeks. And we started by talking about prayer and how Jesus liked to go into the wilderness to pray and to be with his father. And one of the men who, in the previous semester, had been really quiet and didn't say much, he really got very animated in this discussion. And he said, you know, this is my wilderness. I don't need to go to any deserted place to meet God. I can be with God right here. And then he tapped his heart. And I later found out that that man had just been released from 30 days in solitary confinement. And in fact, that class had been one of the first times he was back with the general population. And I often think about that man whenever I feel that my work is useless or I'm not making any kind of difference. Because while I can't, of course, know what kind of damage those 30 days did to him, I do know that this was a man who for 30 days had no opportunity for any useful work and certainly no opportunity even for useless work. And for 30 days, he was locked up in the most cruel and inhumane manner that we have been able to come up with. And yet, in the midst of that personal wilderness, none of that mattered to him. The only thing that mattered was that he was able to hold on tightly to a God that offers us life after death. Thanks for listening to Voices from the Cathedral. The Cathedral of St. John the Divine is the Cathedral of the Episcopal Diocese of New York. It is chartered as a house of prayer for all people and a unifying center of intellectual light and leadership. People from many faiths and communities gather here to worship together, provide meals for the hungry, educate our youth, and host concerts, exhibitions, performances, and civic gatherings. You can find us online at stjohndivine.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at stjohndivineNYC. That's S-T-J-O-H-N-N-Y-C. Check back soon for another episode.